Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. Ready to rip it up after what was an absurd day of recording yesterday. Recording five, six hours a day in Hutchinson. Then we did our own podcast. Now we're back. We're back in the booth, ready to freaking go. I'm excited, man. I am excited to uh, get this going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are officially in the calm before the storm, I think this is. This yeah. is a, about a three-week stretch here where... There's not going to be big news. Mm -hmm. I don't think we get any more big QB trades. Maybe Baker gets moved. Maybe Tron Armstead signs somewhere. But there's not going to be a lot of real, real buzz mm -hmm. till draft season. Some things on the catch and early buzz. One, I know I promised that I'd be getting either a new access, like some form of new accessory every yeah. week. I have not made a purchase of the chain yet. I have not got any of the rings. I did bracelet. make an appointment. No bracelet. I did make an appointment for my second tattoo. Oh, which will be TBD this to be revealed. To me. Yeah, I got an appointment for my second tattoo. It's going to be on my wrist. It's an outline of a. Should, oh, wait, should we not say? And I won't say anything. Don't anything. say it and It'll do a reveal. reveal on the pod. It'll be a reveal. It'll be okay. a reveal. But I have a, uh, I have a tattoo coming. I'm going to order a chain. Where the fuck do you even get chains? Like, I'm going to order. I need to order like a gold chain. I don't want to order like an expensive one though. I need like a normal one. Yeah, I would go to Amazon, get like a cheap one to really break into the chain game, Amazon. and then before you. Com. Before you really dive deep in, have, have you given men. more thought to the hat idea? I have given more thought to the hat idea. Oh my gosh. What kinds so you of can hats? choose between a $15 chain and a $180 chain, yeah. and they look exactly the same. Well, yeah. To the untrained eye. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I think I'm going to get this one. Diamond Cut Miami Men's Cuban Link Chain Necklace. 2,000 views, four and a half stars. It, it'll be here tomorrow. You got – does Help it have like a pendant on it? It's just Help. a pure chain? I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I'm not a pendant guy. I don't think. I could not pull off a pendant. Okay. Yeah. Probably starting off just a, just a one. Just go one with chainer. a regular chain. Yeah. Regular chain. Um. So I'm gonna get a chain that could come tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna work on rings. Tattoo appointment is later this month. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, continue to accessorize. The other thing I'm gonna highlight is on the catch and only buzz. I've had a ton of interviews today for the Aiden Hutchinson podcast. Talked to Kirk Herbstreit, um, Chris Fowler. Uh, and his strength and conditioning coach, finally, Ben mm -hmm. Herbert, Coach Herb, who was hired by University of Michigan in 2018. This was probably one of the more fascinating interviews I've done for the project because he went into detail his process for building bodies at Michigan and, and, and going through this stuff. And he said that he measures 41 different key performance indicators or KPIs with every player that's in the Michigan football program. So that's like things like hip flexion, left leg pistol squat, right leg pistol squat, neck strength, all this crazy shit. And he said, Aiden Hutchinson, composite score, 5.08. It's graded on a, a letter grade scale of A to F. 5.08, the best of any player on the team this previous year. And that measures so much. I mean, it does speak to like, this like entire coverage of the athlete that Aiden Hutchinson is, but also like even beyond like how, you know, how athletic Aiden Hutchinson is, I do think that his approach to strength and conditioning should be mirrored, if not already mirrored, by other programs because that's exactly what you want to be doing, right? It's more than just how much you squat, how much do you bench, what's your 40 time, but all this other stuff that you're doing. Yeah, I, I don't have too much insight into that. I don't do that myself personally, yeah. but I probably should. Well, you don't have to, right? But if you are like trying to like no, do like superhumans, yeah. I mean, you see some of the work that he's done since he's been hired, turning what Rashawn Gary and what he was, Devin Bush and what he was, Quiddy Pay. Like he highlights all these different guys that he's worked with, and a lot of that is the efforts that he's made. Which is he also told the infamous "Ring Me Out" story that's made a lot of publicity for Aiden Hutchinson. But Kirk Herbstreit also had a lot of good things to say, even despite being an Ohio State guy. He said that that big house. That game against Ohio State was one of the loudest games he's ever been to. <clears throat> Did you he, ask him about the Taylor Lewan tweet that he had? I don't remember the Taylor Lewan tweet. He had an all-timer. It's deleted now, but it was – he called him a fraud. 
fake oh, no. tough guy. After and this was actually when he was in the pros. And Taylor Lewan did some stuff back in Michigan where he got like kicked out of games and stuff. Like he's always been kind of his mo. And Herb Street called him a fraud, fake tough guy. What else was this? Like you are a fraud, bro. Was the tweet, but it's now deleted. Which was I would have loved to have asked him if I would have been on. Maybe when he's in the office, I'll ask him about it. Yeah, he's coming to the office in, I believe, April 2022. Or no, no, what? No, April. That's this year. Sometime in April That's this like year. A few weeks Sorry, now. my brain is fried. Last thing on the catch and early buzz, unless you had something else. Or no, two more things. Western Michigan, baby. Shout out Western Michigan. They, oh, I'm trying to get it in front of the camera here. They sent us some shirts and some hats for having Tim Lester on, their head coach, and also a lot of the Sky Moore love. They are appreciative of what they do. They sent us some hats and some shirts. Yeah, uh, you refuse to wear it. I'm rocking both on the pod. They look pretty dope. Honestly. Yeah, they do this look dope. Sick. They need to lean into the W as like their calling card. Kind of like, it's almost like the, I also the like W the flag for the I like Cubs. the feel of the shirt. I can't wait to try it on. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited it's to get like there. It's like an athletic shirt. Mm-hmm. But the, the W logo, I'm a fan. Lean yeah. into that Western. Lean, in, lean into that. Last thing here, Texas A&M had their pro day, and oh man, the numbers are not great. Uh, These are just forties though. That all I saw, and that's really all. Marvin Leal ran .01 seconds faster than Jalen Weidermeyer. That's a five oh three for Jalen Weidermeyer is like undraftable. That's undraftable figure. And we did. We said that was my guy I highlighted in the tight end position prior to the combine that might struggle. And even then, we set the 40 for him at 4.8. I think I said over, but 5.03 was not even – that. it was still like we're still two-tenths of a second away from where he finished up at. And that is at a pro day nonetheless. So, yikes time there. The Probably the bigger one, because I, I, I always thought he was going to be slow. didn't think he was going to be that slow, but that's kind of like he's going to go somewhere on day three late now. But Isaiah Spiller, 4.63, he's not a big back anymore. He's like 2.15 now. He's not early in his career. He was like in the two twenty, high two twenties. Lost weight this past year, and to go four six three at that weight, he is comfortably, comfortably outside the top group of running backs at this point. Man, not a lot of good numbers. Even Kenyon Green's number not overly impressive. I think it was a five two three forty yeah. yard dash for Kenyon Green at Texas A and M's pro day. Maybe a slow track. Need that fast track from Indianapolis. Before we get off the catch and only buzz and jump into Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft, I want to highlight a handful of picks that were notable from his latest on ESPN.com. Reminder that this podcast is presented by Manscaped. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? If you don't clap, you're a piece of shit. I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF. I'd recommend using the products in this order. Hop in the shower and scrub it up, dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Lather your hair up with the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin togging. Dry off and spray on the hydrating boy, hi, hydrating boydy, what the fook? Hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on so no one out here is going to kiss up those chopped lips. Get dressed after. It's optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. We're going to get into the Mel Kuyper mock drafts, but I have two more updates. I forgot. I didn't hit on these updates. One, I'm getting all your DMs. I'm getting a lot of DMs on Twitter, a lot of DMs on Instagram for the draft guide. I've got them all. Yesterday was exhausting. Today, I'm going to send out some draft guides. I don't know if I have 50 DMs yet. So keep sending DMs. We're going to send out 50 new 2022 NFL draft guides if you leave your email. Continue to send those. If you All you have to do to enter, 
rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of that review. And it better be new. I need a new review. Okay. This is some fake ass. Someone else's screenshot. I'm going to catch on. I will find it and I will know. Number two, you started watching euphoria. I was in my room last night. I heard you and your girlfriend listening. I heard you and your girlfriend watching it. You watched one of the brutal episodes. One of the ones where that guy's getting his ass. This, it's an absurd show. I mean, it's entertaining, but I, uh, I feel like the old man, like decrying today's youth. I'm just like, this shit actually happens. And now I remember how the sort of teen dramas of my youth, like watching the OC, obviously dramatized and they did things that I for sure damn well did not do in high school. But these are, this is a little different level of teen drama that was not prepared for heading into it. Absurd is the word I think I first used when I started watching the show. It's yeah. insane. It's, uh, it's entertaining because of just how outlandish it is. And um, I think you haven't even gotten to the thick of it, bro. The mm-hmm. episode that you're on is very early doors. Once you get to season two and you start to see some of this stuff, it's a little wild. I was talking to someone about it. I was actually talking to Aiden and his, Aiden's mom about it yesterday. Okay. And big she fan. was saying, she's, she's a big fan. I think Mia, Mia likes it as well. That's Aiden's sister. But they were saying that in season three, they're going to have – Rue, which is played by Zendaya, mm-hmm. um, significantly less, um, lack of a better word, fabulous, because they don't want to glorify glamorize addiction, her. glamorize addiction, yeah. and make it seem like it's sick, which that is I one do of things, feel like they make it seem pretty sick. That is one of the things that I, like, very first early sort of reactions was, I'm like, they're kind of making this seem cool to be objectively a drug addict piece of shit. Like they're like glorifying her in a way, like she, like yeah. her life is looks far cooler than I'm guessing the average drug addict's life looks. No, for sure, it it looks pretty sick. I, I think it's uh, it's it, the first season. It's like wow, this is kind of awesome. But uh, they're definitely gonna try. I think I think they're gonna try and reel that in. I'm gonna put the Western Michigan thing on my shoulder here. I think they're gonna try and reel that into season three. So I think season two it does a better job. I will say this is gonna be weird, but the experience I have being around addiction. Season two does a really good job of just like capturing the frustration you can have with someone who's battling addiction. Cause like there are so many moments in season two and you'll get there where Zendaya's character Rue, you're just sitting there as a viewer and you're like, why the hell are you making these decisions? (laughs) You're making just absurd decisions. What you're saying to the people that you care about and all that stuff is just like unruly, incomparable behavior or incomprehensible behavior. But I've been there. <laughs> I've seen that. It's it's a lot like that. So I do think they do a good job of that. I think season two it does get better and and less like glamorized of you know like high school kids just like doing drugs and having sex all the time. So if you're into that, season two it does get a little bit better. <laughs> Mel Kiper Jr. came out of the mock draft recently. I'm not going to read every. What pick. transition? Go <laughs> Mel Kiper Jr. Uh, I'm not going to read every pick. Uh, he go to ESPN.com, check out his work. Approve, you know, get after it. The number two overall pick I thought was interesting. So we had yeah. Aiden Hutchinson going to number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the betting favorite right now, according to any book you could bet the pick on right now. Mm-hmm. Detroit Lions going Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame at number two overall. We've talked about Hamilton a ton. We've talked about this decision for the Detroit Lions. I think everyone feels that knowing that Aiden's from Michigan, all this stuff, that it's a sprint the card in situation for them to go edge Aiden Hutchinson if he's available at two. But if he's not, which it's looking like there's a really good chance he's not available, they're not going to go off with the tackle with, you know, with Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell there. I'd almost say they're even a position now, too, with what they've added in free agency that they might not go defensive end, even if Aiden Hutchinson is there, right, with the Okwara brothers that they have. I think they're looking at Arden Key. Like, I, I do think that they're trying to add volume at that position, thinking that maybe they won't have an opportunity at Aiden Hutchinson. I was not 
completely appalled at this selection. I know we've talked positional value a ton on this podcast, and safety is low when you look at the market for safeties, top-end safeties in the NFL. But I do think bringing in Kyle Hamilton as they continue to prioritize, just bringing in good players while they know they're not going to be competitive, right? We've talked about building rosters up when you don't have the quarterback. I, I, I can get behind this pick, Kyle Hamilton at number two. Yeah, one of the analysts. So he's number two on the PFF draft board. So I can obviously get behind this pick. And I was having a conversation with one of the analytics guys, and he said, I don't think you're properly factoring in positional value having Kyle Hamilton number two. And I'm like, well, go watch Kyle Hamilton's fucking tape. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think I am properly factoring in positional value when you watch this guy's tape and just what he can do. And we've said, and he was saying the positional value from a cap allocation perspective in that an average edge rusher gets paid like a top-tier safety. You've got average edge rush. You've got a sonoratic clap in 15 mil a year when you have, I believe, two safeties in the NFL making at least that much. Yeah. So, yes, there, there's, there is the position of value argument, but I feel very confident in Kyle Hamilton being that safety that is worth that kind of money. Like, that will be there very shortly, if not, shit, next year. Like we saw with Derwin James. Comes in year one's probably the best safety, if not top three safety in the NFL from the rip. That's kind of how I feel about Kyle Hamilton. So, if we, as we said, like we we think it's a valuable position, but one that's being underpaid. So maybe you're not saving from a cap perspective, but you're getting a damn good football player and a safer football player in my eyes than even like after Aiden Hutchinson. I don't think there's another quote unquote safe edge that I feel in this draft class, knowing they'll be yeah good. The edges after that, people have yeah. described. I mean, they're talented, yeah, yeah, but yeah. not the safety they feel with Kyle Hamilton. People have described Kayvon Thibodeau as this boomer bust player. I think Trayvon Walker doesn't have the production, but he has the athleticism. What yeah. he could be could be this boom player in the NFL. Lance Zierlein, we didn't talk about his mock draft. It came out on March 8th. He had Trayvon Walker as the first edge off the board, I believe, going inside the top yeah. five. I think he had Aiden Hutchinson slipping to five. Six? Uh, no, six. Six after you know, Detroit Lions traded back from two to six yeah. and picked Aiden Hutchinson. Then that would be insane given all that we've heard and obviously where betting markets are currently. If you think Aiden Hutchinson is not going – Number one overall, there's a lot of money to be had if you think he's going to fall that far. Um, for the next pick I want to highlight is he had Drake London, the USC wide receiver, going as high as four to the New York Jets. And I think we've consistently seen Drake London mocked at 10 to the New York Jets. We feel that they could lock into a receiver at that yeah. position, maybe go off the tackle at four, whether it's Aki Kwan or Evan Neal, to pair up with Makai Becton and obviously Elijah Vera Tucker there. But I think there's a probably – a growing understanding that if they do wait 210, Drake London might not be there. Knowing that the Atlanta Falcons need help at receiver, he also has, I can kind of tease yeah. this next pick, Mel Kuyper has them going Garrett Wilson at number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. So I do think two receivers could ultimately go in the top 10. And if the Jets do want London, I think there is a really good chance that they'd have to take him at four if they're going to take him. Yeah, so I I had actually an interesting conversation with Scott Barrett. Uh, so I went back and rewatched all of London's snaps against press because... I was talking with Scott Bear, and he's like, why? I thought we don't like wide receivers that can't separate. Why do you have Drake London wide receiver one? And I was like, he can separate. Like, he, he really can. Maybe not down the field. Like, he is almost the inverse of what we usually go for, the types of receivers that you know are downfield vertical separators. But he's as good at the line of scrimmage for a bigger wide receiver as I've seen since we started doing this. He gets off the line so efficiently. And it just has that innate feel for avoiding contact and then initiating contact himself to get open that uh, I get, and I was saying everyone, like I I gave the Brandon Marshall comp and it's kind of like we're too far away from Brandon Marshall to really envision him and what he would look like in today's NFL. To me, 
a guy that he reminds me of in today's NFL and like the usage wise is Michael Thomas. Like you put him in a Michael Thomas role, Cooper Cup role, something like that where he gets to utilize that creativity in the short area in whether it's the slot or routes from the outside, he's just going to get open consistently. Now it's not going to be, you run him on a go route, you run him on a deep post. He's not running away from anybody. That's, I will tell you that right now. I don't care what his 40 says. Even if he comes in under four, six, that's never going to be his game, but he's going to get open and going to be super reliable underneath. He just is. I'm with you. I I do think it's lazy analysis to highlight Drake London is just not the separator, right? I think he's billed as that because he's big and he's not going to run fast in his 40, whatever whatever it is. But I I think you said, I think receivers nowadays are very role specific, right? You're going to have to ask, you know, a lot of these receivers, especially in this class, there's a lot of different flavors of receiver that you can get after. I think depending on how you utilize them will depend what the production you get. Like, and that's why I do. Some people do see Drake London as a big slot in the NFL, but a very productive one, right? A guy that can clear 11, 1200 yards, Mm -hmm. even playing from the slot. And then the other thing to add about Drake London. So he is 20 years old. He doesn't turn 21 until July. He played basketball his freshman year at USC. So then didn't have spring practices. His going into his sophomore year was COVID. So that whole year was basically washed in terms of his development. Only gets back for like a year. And he's the best receiver in the country, bar none, racking up catches, touchdowns, yards there in that USC offense. And again, at 20 years old, having really focused on football exclusively for a year prior, that like so the ascension that he could make, where he could continue to take his game, is scary to think about compared to these other guys who, again, focused on football, maybe had bigger seasons, had more practice time during the pandemic than what USC and the Pac-12 did, to where I think this guy is still his best football is going to be ahead of him. You're going to see a big leap even once he gets to the league. The Atlanta Falcons also went receiver in Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock draft. They grabbed Garrett Wilson, the second receiver off the board, behind Drake London at number eight. It's one of the worst receiving rooms in the NFL. Eric Eager, a data scientist here. I'd say worst. worst. I don't don't think we have to couch it. Losing your best receiver, who now goes to be the third receiver for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, means you have a fucking bad receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously losing, obviously, you know, Julio Jones is not there. Calvin Ridley suspended. Russell Gage now signs with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, even if you include Kyle Pitts into your receiving core, which I guess, sure, you can. That's kind of a role he plays there. Even with that included, it still may be the worst. Then I might lean Packers as the worst if you include him, but it's still still bad. Then they did bring back Cordero Patterson, though, who is – you know, a pass catching weapon for the You say call him the best running back in the NFL. The best running back in the NFL. Yeah. Garrett Wilson is the draft pick here, according to Mel Kuyper. I do think that I, you're going to consistently see receiver mocked to the Atlanta Falcons. Not that I think it matters. I mean, m- losing Matt Ryan, they're one of the teams, that, according mm-hmm. to uh, Kevin Cole, an analyst here at PFF, has lost the most in free agency, obviously trading away. Uh, Matt Ryan and yeah. Eric Eager, data scientist here at PFF, ran the projections, the win simulation projections for 2021. They're the team projected at 32nd in terms yeah. of total wins next year. Because of the quarterback change, this receiving room's terrible, and the defense is still not vastly improved. Like, this Atlanta Falcons team is going to be bad next year. Does Garrett I mean, it, Wilson, it have, does Garrett Wilson have, make sense for them? Defense is honestly might be worse. You lost Foye Lewican. You lost Dante Fowler. Now Fowler's not good. But Grady Jarrett had a big down year. That maybe, is that if that's a sign of things to come, is a very scary proposition for what this defense could be next year. So... I think the worst thing the Falcons can do, wide receiver, I'm fine with. Garrett Wilson, cool. Uh, I would like if, like, 
I think the strength of this class, tackle, edge, I think I would lean more there. Mm-hmm. Or even cornerback with how top-heavy this cornerback group is, I would lean those positions for them despite how big a need wide receiver is because you can find that elsewhere. I think the worst thing they could do is trade up in this draft for a quarterback. Yes. Because for what you just said, they're going to be thirty second, projected 30-second win total. They're going to be duking it out with the Texans, duking it out with other teams for the number one overall pick with this roster without Matt Ryan. So when that's the case, mo- trading draft capital would be insane to me in this year when you have a depleted roster. If anything, if you're sitting at eight, their best bet would be to trade back. Uh, if Malik Willis falls in your lap, by all means, draft Malik Willis, fine, sure. You like, love one of these quarterbacks, cool. But just know that you're probably still going to be in next year's quarterback class too. So I think the best bet, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, what I would want to see, trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back. Yeah, I, I think they, they could ultimately do that. I think I agree, though, that the worst-case scenario is going up and grabbing Isn't one of these quarterbacks because I think there's a good chance that Malik Willis comes off the board at number two overall to Detroit Lions. And especially if you're lot. trading a pick for next year. That would be damn near the dumbest shit I could possibly imagine. I don't think the Falcons are going to do that, though. Okay, I, 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 I agree. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm I, just think, I think the Atlanta Falcons realize the situation that they're in. I mean, I think that's evident Why in like, they how quickly. It's also evident in how quickly they signed Marcus Mariota. Like, yeah. they trade Mac Ryan within, like, the next, like, six, t- 10 hours. They had Marcus Mariota on a two-year, mm-hmm. $18 million deal. They're buying into this, hey, we're going to start Marcus Mariota. We're going to start drafting good players. I think, I think they are a prime trade-back candidate as well. Seattle Seahawks with their new pick, the number nine overall pick uh, after trading Russell Wilson. Charles Cross. Hey, we got a crossover pending. the third offensive tackle inside the top 10. Yeah, Trevor yeah. Cro- uh, Charles Cross over t- uh, Trevor Penning. Uh, Ike Kwanu Evanil went higher in the draft. But Charles Cross and Seattle Seahawks at number nine. Love the idea of them attacking high positional value. And I love the idea of get, them getting, you know, who some view the top offensive tackle in this class all the way at nine. Yeah. I, I do think that with this Taft class, how it shakes out, they could be holding their dick there at nine with none of them available. Top four already gone. But one of them falls to, I think that's going to end up being the pick. You think four could be gone? Wow. It's everyone needs to tackle. And there's a few good ones in this class. Trevor Penning going ahead of Charles Cross would really, really surprise me. I know the NFL is higher on him than we are, but that would really surprise me if he goes over Charles Cross, which is how impressive Cross was in pass protection for Mississippi State this last year. The athlete that he was, I thought he impressed in Indianapolis. Hearing reports to his – not hearing reports. I saw a tweet that someone said – you know, Charles Cross's pro day was also pretty spectacular today as well. So Charles Cross going ahead of Penning, I think that's ultimately what should happen. Will it happen? What what are you hearing on Charles Cross's pro day? Someone give sent me, out. Give me the whispers. What do you, someone, I'm not hearing now? anything, and I hate that I'm, I say that out loud as a human. <laughs> you being. always go back to what I'm. Okay, hearing. it was uh, it was you, Matt Miller. You read a tweet, and that's what Matt I'm Miller hearing. said. Hearing Charles Cross was amazing. His so he's hearing it. So yeah. he's hearing it, mm. and now I'm reading it. Multiple New York Giants scouts praised Charles Cross after his pro day concluded. If you read his tweet out loud, technically you are hearing it. I'm hearing it. Yeah. You're hearing it. <laughs> um. Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Charles Cross said that he's heard from all the NFL teams, but he's hearing most from the Jets and the Giants. Maybe he's a lot to go to the top 10. There we we go. will see. A new pick that we haven't seen before. That's why I wanted to highlight it. Houston Texans, not the Cleveland Browns, are picking at 13 overall. And I've seen this, I think, from two people. I think Danny Kelly of The Ringer and Mel Kuyper Jr. of ESPN have the Houston Texans with that selection going Jordan Davis, 
the defensive tackle out of Georgia. He, in my opinion, I've said this since his combine, is a lot to go inside the top 16, 16 on purpose because the Eagles have the 15th and 16th overall selection. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see him going as high as 13. I, I, we've mocked him to the Baltimore Ravens at 14. I think that's the area he starts to go, right? Texans starting at 13, Ravens at 14, and then the Eagles with their two picks at 15 and 16. That's the window for Jordan Davis. I think if you want him, you're going to have to be in one of those spots. And I do think as far as nose tackles go, schematically, he's a fit for Levy. Schematically, I was I was gonna say scheme wise, but I pivoted schematically. But I think he's a he's a fit for Levy Smith's defense. That that is a havoc creating defense with their front four, more of a one gapping, not a he's not a hold the hold the point guy. I mean he can he, he can do a lot of things. He's fucking six six three forty and runs four seven eight. But he is at his best when you let him get off the ball with some gravitas. And that's the defense going to let him do that. So I-, I could see them coveting Jordan Davis for sure. Trevor Penning, the Northern Iowa offensive tackle that we've seen mocked as high as six to the Carolina Panthers. I think that was Dale Jeremiah of NFL Media that had mocked Trevor Penning that high. And I think he could be viewed that highly by teams I, with the athleticism and, and people buying into this mean streak and this grit, what they want in the offensive tackle position. I think he could ultimately go come off the board in the top 10. Like you said, four offensive tackles could come off the board in the top 10. He instead, in this mock draft, falls to the Chargers at 17. I think this is the first mock where I've seen them go offensive tackle. A lot of ha- people have had them going Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle of Jordan. Georgia, some others going a wide receiver, whether it's Jamison Williams or Chris Olave. Here they go Trevor Penning, who would obviously play at right tackle opposite of Rashawn Slater. Your opinion of that selection for the Chargers? We'll get to it. That That's the biggest need. That That's the one spot that has not gotten filled via fridge, via trade, whatever. That's still Storm Norton's job that no one wants it to be come week one next year. So, Yes, that's making more and more sense. Should this tackle class not be cooked by then? And I think we've said there's five that you want here, throwing in Baron Raymond into that mix. And should all those one of those guys be on the board, I think one of them's going to be the pick. Wow. I, I don't know if they're going to get there, though. I think I think I was kind of doubting you that off of the tackle would be off the board by 10, but I think by 17, yeah, I think these be. guys could be off the board. I think they could be looking elsewhere. 24, this was kind of a surprise. We've heard conversations that the Tulsa off to tackle Tyler Smith could vault himself into the first-round conversation. Here, he goes to the Cowboys at 24. This is easily the highest we've seen Tyler Smith, the Tulsa off to tackle, go. Dallas Cowboys – move on from Leo Collins. They cut him. He signs with the Cincinnati Bengals after a three-day bender, not a bender, in Cincinnati. Hangs out on the banks, goes to Jeff Ruby's. Did you hear Mo Ager, who's a big friend of the show, you see all all the time in Cincinnati. He said that Joe Burrow went to Jeff Ruby's, the precinct, in in sweatpants, gray sweatpants, to meet Leo Collins. And he said the first quote that Leo Collins told Burrow was, no need to worry. You got your protector now or some shit like bodyguard. that. Bodyguard. Bodyguard. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Tyler Smith going to the Cowboys. I saw a handful of Cowboys fans. I'm hearing a handful of Cowboys fans uh, or not. I would not be super stoked at that pick. He is one hell of an athlete, Tyler Smith. This guy, it, Him going in the first round and getting this first round buzz, though, is another one of those. I, I really like this guy. I thought I was out on a limb saying, like, you know, this guy's kept probably like a mid-second. Like, he's a heck of an athlete. He has some insane reps and run as a run blocker can do things athletically that you do not expect for a bigger tackle, 324 pounds, but I would not touch him the first round. I mean, he has no track record in terms of pass protection whatsoever. You're Mm -hmm. looking at a pure project in that regard. And so to go 24th overall, and now he'd probably be slated at guard if he goes to the Cowboys, but 
that's too rich for me. That's there are there are other options I would gravitate towards. Is this too rich for you? In the pick that the Packers pick up from the Las Vegas Raiders, they grab Kenyon Green, the Texas A&M offensive lineman who has not had a good combine or pro day process. Did not test great. Did not test well. But you've been high on Kenyon Green. You see him as a starting caliber guard. I think he's a top 30 player on PFS draft board. Your opinion of the Packers selections in this mock from Mel Kuyper, Kenyon Green at 22, and then they grab Traylon Burks, the Arkansas receiver at 28. Yeah, he was a surprise, in my opinion, in his testing. I, I just thought he would be – I guess I didn't expect elite, elite numbers. I, I never came in expecting that. But I thought he'd be solid across the board. Now, a 5-1-2 shuttle is well below – We've talked about the shuttle being probably the most translatable for any position along the offense line. And now it's not the end all be all. In, in fact, like guard center is probably the least important positions for athletic testing, yeah. high end athletes, not necessarily being leading to success. Whereas average athletes can be elite pro bowl caliber players. So not a big deal, but I was surprised by his testing. Um, but honestly, the, uh, testing-wise, I don't think he fits with the Packers' covet. They have drafted better athletes than that fairly consistently when they do draft offensive linemen. So I'd be surprised if he is the pick. What about Traylon Burks at 28? Traylon Burks, I would not be surprised. Like I've said, they f- he fits their size profile. They've rarely drafted smaller wide receivers in terms of guys 190 or under. They, they have drafted bigger dudes. They've drafted guys that can run slant routes. That's been their MO. So Traylon Burks, for all his sort of – rawness as a route runner can run a slant route and has the size they'd covet so it wouldn't surprise me if they do go Traylon Burks in the first round I'm more interested in a different receiver for the Green Bay Packers I think I'd rather have Chris Olave in the first I think he had I think Mel Kuyper had Jahan Dotson going to the Buffalo Bills at 25 I don't think that's the type of receiver that they're looking for but I I don't know I I I like Olave I like Olave at 22 a lot more than I like Burks at 28 I do like Olave as well as a fit for them if they are going to lean anywhere in the first round Last pick to highlight here on Mel Kuyper's mock draft. This came out, again, this morning. We're recording here on Tuesday, March 22nd. He had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before the signing of Leonard Fournette was announced, who got a two-year, I think, $14 million deal from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now that Brady is back. He had them going Brees Hall, the Iowa State running back, at number 27 overall. I think that's the first time we've seen from a notable you know, draft analyst a running back mock in the first round. That's why I wanted to highlight it. I'm sure if he was building out this mock draft after the Bucs Signed for now. He probably doesn't have Brees Hall going in that spot, but I think it does speak to the type of player he sees in Brees Hall, and maybe he is like a legitimate first round caliber player. I, I don't think there are any. I w- I'm not calling them legitimate first round caliber players. Obviously, you know, PFF. I can't by contract. That's in my. Contract. That's not by contract. You also don't see. You would not take any of these running backs in the first round. I know. I know. All I'm saying is, these guys, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, are as good as Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams last year. They're in that mix. I'd probably still take Javante over all of them, but I think I'd take Brees and Kenneth Walker before Etienne and Najee. Like it, it was last year, it was Javante one, again, uh, Travis Etienne two, Najee three. I would take, I would put probably Kenneth Walker two, Brees all three in that mix now. And then Etienne four, Javon, Najee five. I, I think these guys are damn good running backs and they're, Plug and play, three down. No, no, like reservations about anything they can do in their game. Now, obviously, besides Kenneth Walker's pass pro, that's the only real issue. 
before we get to biggest remaining needs for every team following the first wave of free agency, reminding you that this podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Wondering how to make your money grow? Buy a chain on Amazon and watch the money flood in. Watch the endorsement deals, watch the sponsorships, all that. Excited for that. Biggest team needs. We're going to go alphabetical order from the article you wrote for PFF.com. If you are listening to this podcast and want to go read this podcast, it's on PFF.com as highlighted here. According to, uh, thanks to Mike Quinn, producer Mike, producer Quinn on the YouTube channel. Starting with the Arizona Cardinals. It was cornerback. Now you're saying it's defensive tackle for the Arizona Cardinals going into April's draft. Yeah, so they signed Jeff Gladney. Kind of an underrated signing in free agency. He was acquitted of all uh, charges, uh, found innocent or not guilty, I guess. I'm not sure. I believe not guilty. Innocent's probably not. They don't find people innocent. Um, so he's back in the NFL and obviously didn't get cut by the Vikings for on-field performance, even though he did not have a good rookie year whatsoever. He got you know passed up on the death chart by Cameron Dantzler. So not fixing, but... Defensive tackle, far more of a need now, in my opinion, than corner. Because they have dudes, at least, at corner. They really don't have a lot of dudes at defensive tackle. So, should Jordan Davis fall to them? No way. Pipe dream yeah. at this point. Pipe dream that Devontae and Jordan Davis do. And, and I think where they're sitting at, 23 overall, maybe a little too rich to go Travis Jones. So, this feels like a mid-round. And the guy I, I would highlight for them in the mid-rounds would be someone like Fadarian Mathers from Alabama. Just a very solid two-gapping run defender. Not going to expect much more, but shit, they need that. I, I still feel, too, and I agree with you, with Jordan, if Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt fall to 23, I think that makes sense. And if Travis, tra they have to really like Travis Jones to take him off the board at 23. Mm -hmm. And though it was their biggest need was cornerback, I, I don't hate Kyrie Elam in that spot. I don't hate going Florida's yeah. Kyrie Elam or Andrew Booth, the Clemson cornerback at 23. Like or just, even wide receiver. Just just because it you know it's not maybe your biggest need, I still think you can get value at receiver or cornerback um, specifically yeah. there at 23. If if those guys are off the board now, I think Davis at 23, Devontae Wyatt at 23, those are those are situations where I think it makes sense to attack their biggest need. Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, we've highlighted this one already pretty pretty significantly. I think at eight they could go Drake London, Garrett Wilson, hell Chris Olave if that's their guy. James they could Lawrence. trade back and still get receiver. That's that's the money spot for the Atlanta Falcons. Baltimore Ravens. Zedaria Smith, that deal has fallen through. He's actually officially signed a three-year, $42 million deal with the Minnesota Vikings. He's going to be a Minnesota Viking now, Zedaria Smith. So they still need help along the defensive line. I've mocked them at 14 overall, Jordan Davis. I think there's a good chance he could be available there if the Houston Texans don't take them there at 14. Would you like Devontae Wyatt there at 14 if the Baltimore Ravens there are picking and he's available? Yeah, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, George Karloftis at that point. I don't think I, any of those three are off limits I, I think all those three would be great fits for them and I think it's a position that they probably will address early now say Derek Stingley falls I think they could still address there but I think your pick for Baltimore Ravens more likely than not to end up along the defensive line moving forward alphabetically here Buffalo Bills was you put in here was defensive tackle 
now is into your offensive line. They're picking 25th overall. We've seen the Jordan Davis mock drafts to the Buffalo Bills. I think those are all but dead. They could go Travis Jones. Travis Jones at 25. That'd probably be one of the earlier ends. I think in Mel Kuyper's mock draft that came out today, he went to the Cincinnati Bengals. And when I say Travis Jones, that's the UConn defensive tackle, 325-pound monster uh, coming out of UConn with some good athleticism. But they could go him at 25 if that they wanted to fill their formerly biggest need. Now, into your offensive line, do they hone in on either Kenyon Green of Texas A&M or Zion Johnson? the interior offensive lineman that I think everyone sees as this guy you can start from day one at either guard spot. So Brandon Bean, we talked about how much he's honed in on defensive line early in drafts. At this point, though, with what they've loaded up on, I'm not sure they're going to go defensive line anymore. So maybe offensive line, they obviously haven't coveted it too much. I think they've used one pick in the first two rounds since he got there on offensive line. That was Deion Dawkins, who was turned out pretty damn good himself so it's not been highly coveted but they're in win now mode so they could use the draft as a hole plugger of sorts mm. to where left guard is an issue you signed roger saffold the right guard could be an issue would depend on where you want to play roger saffold you have cody ford who's been himself an issue you have options but zion johnson from boston college if he is there the guard who has played tackle for them as well i, I think that makes too much sense but they they have issues at tackle as well they're throwing out spencer brown right now like that that's the problem area for the buffalo bills is that offensive line more so than any other position on that roster at the moment carolina panthers next on our list here still quarterback quarterback is their biggest need they are are involved in the trade discussion for Deshaun Watson, they ultimately did not pan out. I can't imagine their presentation to Watson showing the talent that they had. And the hey, Cam Irving's our left tackle. That was all. <laughs> there's no way. Meeting over. There's no way Deshaun that um, that presentation, that PowerPoint, went all that well in terms of convincing Deshaun Watson that this roster is capable of winning. Mm -hmm. And the offensive line still isn't good. You know, I, I, they obviously re-signed DJ Moore to that contract, but. I think outside of DJ Moore, I still think that the receiving core needs help, even with the re-signing of Ian Thomas, who is now facing, you know, I think allegations or criminal, uh, I think it's criminal charges, uh, the tight end that they did resign. So Carolina Panthers are not in a good situation from a supporting cast perspective, and their quarterback isn't good. So still their biggest need is quarterback. I think the best case scenario for them is Malik Willis there at number six overall. I think the worst case scenario for them is Kenny Pickett at six overall. They go Kenny Pickett that high in the draft. I, I think they could be that could be a bit concerning, especially with only one I, top 100 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. I, I would much rather see them. I said, dude, and, I think it's real. McAdoo was at the pro day. I think it's pro day. Was he really? Yeah. Ben McAdoo, the new offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers at Kenny Pickett's pro day. Maybe they are going Kenny Pickett at six overall. And I, I, I want to maybe retract some of that statement. Worst case scenario, they take a flyer on a, a quarterback that a lot of people view as the best quarterback in that class. Maybe I'm being a bit of an asshole there. But I'm not as high on Kenny Pickett as the league is, apparently. I'm not as high as Ben McAdoo is, apparently. I, I would much rather see them if I was a Carolina Panthers fan or if I was in a position to make decisions for the Panthers. I'd much rather bottom out with the bet I've already made in Sam Darnold and, and, and put myself significantly invested in the 2023 quarterback class than I would make this decision on Kenny Pickett in the second-best quarterback, in my opinion, or third-best quarterback, in some people's opinion, at six overall. Now... Are they going to be making those kinds of decisions? I'd assume no, because Matt Rule's seat can't be ice cold. That front office needs to start making some decisions, some prosperous decisions soon, and maybe they feel that that decision is taking a quarterback at six, and maybe it is Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh. That's what you worry about is the staff there wanting, basically fighting for the jobs at the moment with how ugly the first couple of years have been 
and just the inability and, and basically how inexplicably or how tied they are to that Darnold deal now yeah. and trying to get that to work. And so I would worry about what kind of short-term are they going to be making short-term decisions in this draft. Now, quarterback, the need there, I, I'm not sure I love drafting one with where they're at. I'll just say that with that offensive line as it is, I don't think there's a path to success for whoever does get drafted early on in their career. So I might just build up this, continue to build up this roster and collect more picks in this draft. I don't think that's what they ultimately do. I got to be agree. honest. I, I think they're ultimately going to take a quarterback there at six or at least try to. Yeah. It depends on you know what quarterbacks come off the board. I think they're going to be in prime position to do so. And I'm and not sure it depends pursuing. on which quarterbacks come off the board. I think they're going to love Kenny Pickett. Fair enough. Chicago Bears, still offensive line. Um, James Daniels is no longer an, an offensive lineman for them. Jason Peters still a free agent. Do they lock in on an offensive tackle with their first pick in this draft at pick 39? They did last year, and they traded up, and they kind of, I don't say got burned by it, but realizing that, hey, if a guy falls the second round, he may not be ready to start in the NFL. Like not a lot of tackles are, and the guys that usually are go top 10 to 15 in the draft. So I think offensive line make a ton of sense, but just from a pure needs perspective, but there may not be there may not be anyone there. I, I th- the guy I wrote here is the dream is Tyler Smith, the Tulsa tackle, who shit, Kyber just had going 24. So this offensive line class, and which is often the case, if it's a good class, they just they go early because you can count on one hand the amount of teams that don't need help along their offensive line in the NFL. It's mm-hmm. rare. So everyone's in the market when there are good players like that. So where they're picking at 39, it may not be feasible to get one. And if it is, probably interior offensive line. You have next year the Cleveland Browns. It was wide receiver. They make the trade for Mark. And Cincinnati Cooper. Bengals. Next. Oh, sorry, Cincinnati Bengals. They skip by the Cincinnati Bengals. Still offensive line for the Bengals. You think? It thinks still offensive line even after adding Lyle Collins. Okay, well, this is I wrote this before Lyle Collins. Okay. Thing. So, uh, I don't think it's still offensive line okay. after getting Lyle Collins. It's probably cornerback at this point. And I think the pipe dream for them, you know, the fingers crossed, hope he gets there, is Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. I think he falls to them at 31 in the first round. He is going to be their pick. That, because that's still – he's probably the most versatile of kind of the second-tier cornerbacks that's going to come out, where we say Kyrie Elam's a pure press guy. That's not going to be necessarily what Cincinnati runs a ton of. So I think Andrew Booth Jr. is the guy that you want if you are a Bengals fan now at 31. I think they should absolutely you know, prioritize cornerback at that slot because I also think that's where these guys that we've mentioned, I think McDuffie has been consistently mocked in the top 15. I don't think they have an opportunity at McDuffie, but Kyrie Elam of Florida and Andrew Booth Jr. of Clemson are two cornerbacks that I do think could be there for them um, and, and where they should go, especially now after adding Alex Kappa, Ted, Car- Ted Karras, Leo Collins. I mean, that was that was just a star-studded affair. And you got Jonah Williams still there at left tackle. You're expecting some year-two development from Jackson Carmen. Hopefully some less nights in clutch, the bar downtown. <laughs> no TR. Like, we need Jackson Carmen to take some steps forward here. And, you know, Joe Burrow should be really excited about that. And it's rare that you see, I think I mentioned this on the Monday podcast, it's rare that you see a team with obvious needs actually go out and address those needs with volume and address those needs without, you know, breaking the bank safe for a Brandon Scherf or whoever it was, but actually attacking them with volume and bringing in capable upgrades mm-hmm. along the offensive line. Cleveland Browns. It was wide receiver. They made the trade. They traded a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. They also added Jakeem Grant. I still feel that receiver could be an option for them. Now they are not picking their first pick in April's draft is 44. That 
probably isn't going to be where Travis Jones ends up. I think Travis Jones goes higher than 44, though. Yeah. He could be available to UConn defensive tackle, and you have highlighted here, knows as their biggest need. I also think they could go receiver again at 44. I think this receiving class has some depth. I, I think they could go get Jahan Dotson if he falls that far, or one of the bigger guys, George Pickens of Georgia. Um, Justin Ross of Clemson, if they wanted to go that direction. Jalen Tolbert of South Alabama, I think getting one of those guys at 6'1", 6'2", plus in that range, I think that's another another selection. I like them at 44. So, yeah, I, I think they need a nose tackle. I think it's a position that you can wait. You drafted Tommy Toby guy last year. He's not necessarily himself a pure nose tackle. I think they could wait sometime until day three and just get one of the big boys in this draft class, one of the 330-plus fellas. The, the Noah Ellis's from Idaho's of the world, the Neil Farrell's from LSU's, those guys will not be drafted in the first three rounds. I, I'd be floored if they were. But they can eat space in the middle of their defense, something that really the Browns did not have last year. They didn't really have that on that roster, and I think they could use with all the talent they've now acquired. Someone in the YouTube chat mentioned, appreciate everyone who watches live on YouTube, mentioned Sky Moore for the Cleveland Browns at 44. That would be pretty freaking A dream, sick. to be honest. Yeah. A dream. A dream to dream of days gone by, Les Mis. Dallas Cowboys. Interior offensive line is where you have them looking. They could go Kenyon Green of Texas A&M. They've been consistently mocked him. They go Tyler Smith of Tulsa. Tyler Linderbaum could be an option for them at center. Where's your That's head at? They like. first pick at 24. I like Linderbaum for them. Just for that offense. And how, for even, for as much as their fans were pissed with their offensive line last season. You still have very good run blockers. Terrence Steele is not a great pass protector, but that dude can move people in the run game. Tyron Smith obviously still have Tyron Smith in the run game. Zach Martin, the best guard in the NFL. If you had Tyler Lindbom to that, you get close to 2014 level O-line. Close to. Not, it's not going to be that, but Tyler Lindbom as peak can be Travis Frederick, once again. So, yes, I, I like to fit there. Denver Broncos, you have their their position of need listed as edge defender. They signed Randy Gregory to like a five-year, $70 million deal. Kind of not shoring up need there. I always feel like you can add pass rushing help. But still, they their biggest need now shifts to safety. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you could look at the draft. Think, uh, their first pick now is until pick 64 in the 2022 NFL draft. Maybe they lock into, I think you have highlighted here, Kirby Joseph, the Illinois safety. There could, you know, who knows? The safety class has not been talked about a ton. Jaquan Brisker of Penn State, Nick Cross, Maryland. They could go in that direction. But why not go get Tyron Matthew right now? I like Tyron Matthew. Available in free agency. He's a top five available free agent right now, according to PFF. he's going to cost a lot of money. He's going to cost a lot of money, That's and why. I get that. And I, don't know they don't, I know they don't have a lot of money after signing Russell Wilson, but I'd really love to see them go get Tyron Matthew to pair up with Justin Simmons. I think that would be really sick. I mean, it would. And, yeah, that would, that would solve a need. And, truthfully, it may not even – like, we liked Jamar Johnson a ton coming out last year. They got him in the fifth. Caden Stearns they got in the fifth last year, too. One of those guys could quite easily be – the one that is on the board there. And then I would probably turn my eye to linebacker because Alexander Johnson, I believe, is still a free agent. Baron Browning flashes the second half of last year, but I wouldn't call him ready to be a full-time you know, starter just yet. So linebacker with this deep linebacker class could be where they look at 64, could still be offensive line. They could honestly go a number of ways. I don't think the Broncos really need to be pigeonholing themselves into any one place. They could just add talent to this roster really anywhere. Detroit Lions. Obviously, the biggest position of need for them is quarterback. Jared Goff is not the future for them. 
a lot of the conversation, a lot of the rumor mill has been churning that they're going to be interested in Malik Willis of Liberty, who has his pro day right now. Twitter has sent out every single angle of his throws on air that you can possibly find. But Malik Willis of Liberty has been rumored to be a pick there, uh, a potential pick for them at number two, especially if Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan edge defender, is not available. Gun to your head. Okay. You're wearing a Detroit Lions polo. You're sitting in the front office. You got the phones. You Western. got the, all that stuff. Not 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 Western Michigan. Oh. It's a Detroit Lions polo. And they say, hey, Aiden Hutchinson is off the board. He is a Jacksonville Jaguar. Okay. Who are you taking if you're the Detroit Lions? Is it Malik Willis like the rumors are saying? It's Kyle Hamilton. Trust the big board. So, Love that. Yeah, you got to. But this, I've, I've outlined my path to quarterback for the Detroit Lions a number of times. Cut your golf. You're getting Bryce Young. And you're golden. But more realistically, they're not going to cut your golf. That ship's, I believe, sailed. They would have probably done it right. I don't hate a quarterback at 34 in this draft or 32. I don't hate that idea with these guys, with the developmental potential of pretty much all of them. I mean, they all have tools. So I, I don't hate that idea, like I said, if you're not going to cut Jared Goff. But I do not like the idea of a quarterback at two. I just, I just don't love it. But GBD on what they actually do. I still lean quarterback at 32 more than I like quarterback at two, knowing this draft class, as good as Malik Willis is and as impressive as his arm is and his how impressive his interview process has been. I still think it's smarter for them to prioritize quarterback if they're going to prioritize it in this class at 32. I think you know Mel Kuyper had Matt Corral of Ole Miss going to them. I think Sam Howell could be an option for them. Um, I don't think Kenny Pickett is falling that far, but they should have an opportunity to get a quarterback if they want one in this class there at 32 and not necessarily have to let you know, use that pick on a quarterback class that's not as good, right? You, I was talking to Ian Rapport today of NFL Media, and he's saying, um, like, you need to know who he worked for. Ian Rapport today, and he's like, and I mentioned that a lot of people have talked about this draft class not being as good. You know, what, what's your perception of that? What's the league's perception of that? He's like, the only reason that's being said is because the quarterbacks aren't good. Yeah. It's like, it's like this class at the top end has a lot of talent, right? And maybe Aiden Hutchinson's not going to be a Miles Garrett. Maybe Kayvon Thibodeau's not going to be a Miles Garrett, but it's still very talented at the top end. The reason mm -hmm. people are souring on this draft class compared to previous years is because the quarterbacks aren't good and you're not gonna you know so when when the league is buying into that and media is buying into that i do think it's it's you're in a better position to prioritize quarterback in future drafts where yeah. bryce young could be available yeah. cj stroud etc but green bay packers you their their need is obviously receiver the fact that they went Kenyon green at 22nd overall was appalling in mel kuyper's draft they need to go i i, I honestly think if Alave is there jameson williams is there Garrett Wilson falls that far. Who knows? Like, you have to go receiver if you're the Green Bay Packers. This receiving core is either 31st or 32nd in the NFL, period, period. And, they, and Marcus Valdez-Scantling is still a free agent. If they re-sign him, I still think it's 31st or 32nd. That's yeah. how bad it is. And they need two. That is realistically where they're standing right now. You got Cobb Rogers probably going to duke it out for your slot receiver. And then you got – Alan Lazard gonna obviously maintain his role because of his blocking ability in that offense but I believe you need two wide receivers to add to this to kind of just give you options now they still might do one for agency but they they have to use one of those first two picks on a wide receiver it's straight up if they they have ambitions of competing for Super Bowl with the arms race that is going around the going on around the NFL in terms of just talent offensively they got to be better than that they got to be far better than where they are right now so well james williams chris olave whoever it is that's who i would recommend if they're on the board in that order 
Fair enough. Got to do it. Yeah. Got to do it. I still am, like, stunned that they haven't made, like, an aggressive – like, we haven't even heard, like – Ex receivers visiting them in frenzy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm surprised. Like why isn't Odell Beckham Jr. Why aren't you on the phone with OBJ? Why aren't you on the He's, phone? Has a, you keep mentioning Odell. He has a torn ACL. No one's gonna sign Odell right now. No one's gonna sign Odell right now. <laughs> He's torn ACL. He tore it like two months ago. I know. I still think you want to sign him. What's the point? They have no receivers. They have the worst receiving core in the NFL. But why, you're not one signing him right now. You have you sign him. He may not play a down next year. <laughs> really? You think there's a chance he misses all next season? I mean, it's tore his ACL very late in the year. Like that was. Literally a month ago. I yeah. mean, his timetable earliest is six months. Puts you still into the next season to where no one, I'm just telling you, no one's signing Odell Beckham until maybe the eve of next year. Gotcha. And even then, I might wait till like halfway through the year. Julio Jones. I still like Julio Jones. Yeah. Right Will Fuller. Julio and Odell. Houston Texans. Their biggest need you still have is every position. Yep. Yep. Still need, Why you be still need them Houston all. Houston Texans. They still need them all. I, I, I don't know. Do you like the – we've talked about the Jordan Davis pick at 13. Do you like that for them the most? He is – or is there a better – Not particularly, but yeah. just because nose tackles, it's – they're not – they don't have a long career span. It's, it's, when you are 340-plus pounds, it's hard to be explosive for that long. So I would pick a – a position where you can hope that guy's going to be there for over a decade, sort of. So I think I think they could be on the outside looking in at this offensive tackle class, right? I don't know if they were going to be able to get in on this yeah. offensive tackle class. I don't hate them going receiver at that spot. You know, I think the Browns have gone receiver when they were previously picking at thirteen. I think receiver could be another option for them. They don't have a good receiving core. They don't have a good offensive line. They don't have a lot of stars on defense. You're right in that they can go anywhere. Go anywhere. Just pick someone good. Yeah. Pick someone good of high positional value. Indianapolis Colts. You still they they don't need quarterback now. You have them in the article right. It's still quarterback, but they just traded for Matt Ryan. What is their new need after Matt Ryan's now been traded to the Indianapolis Colts? Left tackle. They they, they have Matt Pryor as your left tackle right now, and he's not the worst in terms of his backups go. He he played a good deal of right tackle last season, filling in for Braden Smith. So I guess they could roll in with him, but I would like an upgrade, obviously. Come draft time, picking number 42 overall, not going to happen. And you're not going to find your starting left tackle there. So if I am thinking 42 overall, what position am I probably going to attack? Wide receiver would likely where I'd go. T.Y. Hilton, uh, obviously a free agent still. Even if he comes back, you're not relying on T.Y. Hilton. They need a second wide receiver. Do they, do they go? Do they, here's an interesting situation. Because you look at free agency, Tron Armstead's technically unsigned, but the rumors are that he is going to sign with Miami Dolphins. Dwayne Brown could is still available in free agency, who is 36, almost 37 yeah. years old. Eric Fisher, they could bring back. He's still in free agency. He's only 31 years old. Trent Brown signing with the Patriots. Riley Reef, more of a right tackle. I think after that, you're you're not you're not getting a lot of upgrades in free agency. Mm-hmm. I know these might these rumors have like slowed, and some people are feeling that they're going to keep him ultimately, but. Why don't they just go full Rams mode and say, fuck them picks and go get Larry Tunsil? You know, I don't know what he would cost. They don't have a first-round pick this year. I get that. But if they go grab Larry Tunsil with Matt Ryan, they continue to add these picks. I don't know. It's the same division. You're not going to get – he's not going to trade. Oh, I guess I forget it's the same division. God damn it. I know. I would like it, though. I would like it, too. Because I don't think they're going to get an upgrade in free agency. And they're not going to get an upgrade, um, you know, with the pick that they have in the draft. So mm-hmm. their biggest need kind of on the – out. you're kind of – you're kind of – 
in a bad spot if that when that still is your biggest need. Yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars still need help for Trevor Lawrence. Will they get it number one overall? Who knows? They could go off the tackle. Still Ike Aquanu, Evan Neal in the mix there. But they probably are leaning Aiden Hutchinson based off what we've heard. Where do they go get that help after the number one overall pick? 33. I've said it. Say it again. Top of the second round is a hotbed receiving talent. Hotbed last three years. Elijah Moore, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Debo Samuel, all right there. Get one every year. Who's it going to be this year? Could be Sky Moore. For wearing the Western Michigan shirt. Wow. Repping it. Could be. Represent. That, I mean, that's where I would go if I'm Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they just need a go-to guy. Shit. I think there's no way to go receiver after what they invested. I know though, that's right? the problem. I don't think they're going to go receiver. You don't pay Christian that's Kirk as much as you did. You bring in Zay Jones on a pretty healthy contract. You still have Marvin Jones. You still have LaVisca Chanel Jr. Like, do you go and spend the 33rd overall pick on a guy that would have to play ahead of a dude you just paid a lot of money? I doubt it. I think they're probably going to lean offensive line in that spot potentially. Maybe Tyler Smith if he falls that far. Like I could see them not going receiver, which is unfortunate because I still think it's a bottom 10 unit in the NFL. Yeah. But I, after the investments they've made, I, I'm doubting that they go receiver at 33. Kansas City Chiefs still have a needed quarterback. Charvin Harris Ward signed a pretty decent deal with the San Francisco 49ers. They could be in a position to go make some plays here for Kyer Elam or Andrew Booth Jr., depending on who's available there at 30. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, that's where that's where I'm looking. Going past that, I I could see them waiting on cornerback. They haven't necessarily invested a ton of each era that position. Going someone like Kyler Gordon at the end of the second could make sense as well. But yeah, I I, I would if Kyrie Williams on the board there, I, I'm keeping that as the mock pick. That just it makes too much sense. Las Vegas Raiders, it's interesting to say they still have – I mean, it's 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 interesting to highlight the biggest need going to the draft when their first pick now is 86. Like, you're not going to fill any needs with the player that you right. take at that spot. But still have a needed defensive tackle. They signed Bilal Nichols. You look to the draft, and maybe that's a, an area where you can still get value, like starting-level value at pick 86. But, you know, what, what, what should, where should their head be going into the draft with that pick specifically? Defensive tackle. I mean, they signed Bilal Nichols, but – Hankins, Jonathan Hankins, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phelan, all free agents. They, they really have no one else at DT that I'd be comfortable throwing into a game or want to be thrown in as a starter. So also when you're picking a pick 86, it's also a position you probably get a pick 86. So maybe like the guy I highlighted was UCLA's Otito Ogbenaya as a possible nose tackle to stick in next to Blau. Los Angeles Chargers defensive tackle was their biggest positional need now you're highlighting their biggest positional need as right tackle and it's what you said earlier in the show when we talked about them potentially going trevor penning of northern iowa there at number 17 yeah so they did a good job in free agency austin johnson sebastian joseph day precisely what we said in terms of not one but two guys big bodies that can clog up the middle better than you clogged it up last year which was mm. not clogged at all the toilet, was running, the toilet was running great. Oh, wow. There in the middle of the charge defense. Which usually is a positive. Usually, but not when it's your run defense. But right tackle now with Brian Balaga no longer walking through that door. No longer. I mean, shit, he was barely walking through that door. He was crushing through that door most times. He did come into the facility anyway. So it's what you dealt with last year, but last year you didn't make the playoffs in a large part because of that. So got to upgrade there. I think they will. 
Bernard Ryman's the guy I keep highlighting for them. That would make too much sense. I think he's far more NFL ready than even like Trevor Penning, who are the guys that everyone's mocking higher. I have to break up the biggest need segment. We still have teams to go over here. Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, Patriots, etc. as we go down the alphabetical list for something that I don't know if we'll make the fun to read segment by next year because it could be drowned out. But Bart Scott on ESPN wrote out his top five AFC teams going into next year Mm. on get up. And it was Bengals at one, Bills at two, Chargers at three, Browns at four, Broncos at five. Chiefs are not a top five team in the AFC. Not a top two team in the AFC West, <laughs> according to Bart Scott. Why? Why are we? Cons- why are we seeing this Patrick Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs fade? Because we, Every, we were well, talk- I think it's, you know what it is. Everyone wants to be the first to call the downfall. Like when someone's on top for as long as they've been, it's like Sam calling Tom Brady uh, wash. wash in 2013. Oh, oh, gonna be! I can't wait for the 10 year anniversary of that article. It's gonna be incredible. <laughs> and Tom's still playing, but. It's it's everyone when someone's on top, everyone roots for the downfall. So everyone wants to be the first, the hipster to be. See, I called it. I saw the Chiefs. Not but why? What, what's the reasoning behind? Like, what, if you were writing an article, say you were writing that article mm-hmm. Sam wrote about like Tom Brady's wash, but it's about the Kansas City Chiefs or Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, whoever. What are you writing that is showing any signs of that? Like, I, I don't understand. The defense. I mean, the defense isn't on paper is not that great. You lose Tyron Matthew now. Justin Reed's serviceable replacement, but he's not going to be what Tyron Matthew was in that defense. And you lose your best cornerback, Charverius Ward, and you didn't have great cornerbacks to begin with. So yeah. that's that's why. Now, uh, their offense is still going to be fine. So I just don't understand how you can be not a top-five team in the AFC or even a top-two team in your own division if you have Patrick Mahomes. Like, well, I, I don't when under- you've been literally the top-two teams each of the last three years. You've yeah. went to the Super Bowl two of those times and – AFC Championship game one of those times. We went four years. They went four straight AFC yeah. Championship games. Four, four straight AFC Championship games right. for Patrick Mahomes. And I just don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost. Anyway, back to this. Los Angeles Rams. Biggest need. Offensive line. Was that. They added some offensive linemen. They brought back Joseph Noteboom. Brought back Brian Allen. Now their biggest need. Cornerback opposite of Jalen Ramsey with Darius Williams. Gone. David Long Jr., former your guy. You're a big fan of David Long Jr. coming out of Michigan. He's good. I mean, he's he's solid, but then they still need help third. beyond that. Yes. But their first pick of the draft is 104, Mike. They're not finding that guy in the draft. They're not finding the starter that to replace Darius Williams in the draft. It could because, again, they're not beholden to – I mean, Darius Williams is UDFA, and he's an undersized guy. With that defense now it's set up, you don't need the box tickers that other defenses might. So they can get by with – undersized corners which tend to fall in the draft like asante samuel jr last year and going to you know brand Staley scheme so they're they could get one the guy that highlights probably like marcus jones the houston cornerback slash return man who's electric great ball skills but he's 5'9 180 so uh, that's a guy i would say that they'd probably be higher on than the rest of the nfl Miami Dolphins still need help along the offensive line. They did bring in Connor Williams. They're expected to sign Teron Armstead. If they sign Teron Armstead, are you still leaning in the offensive line's help there? No, I, I think that's develop your own guys at that point. Like <laughs> at some point, those guys got to come good. If you invested two free agents into it, okay, we can we can rely on hopefully one of those other three positions taking a step forward. So not necessarily, but if they don't, the guy I would tab one due to his athleticism. And two, due to the fact that he pass protected very well 
and just looks weird as shit is Arizona State's Kellen Deesh. We've talked about him. He's 6'7 with 32-inch arms, which is – you saw him stood next to him on the football field, and he looked weird. Like, yeah. straight up, like, he had a weird build. He's got a weird build. He had very thin shoulders for a guy that size, but he allowed six pressures all last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, that dude can move and tested out like an elite athlete at the combine. So that's who I would highlight for them. Minnesota Vikings – Still cornerback. I think every mock draft you read from here until late April is going to have McDuffie, Trent McDuffie of Washington, going to them at the spot. I think they're picking 12 in April's draft. This one I don't think we need to spend too much time on. They need help at cornerback. The Jeff Gladney pick obviously didn't work out. He did sign elsewhere, though. Where did he sign? Gladney signed with – We just talked about Arizona. Arizona. And now McDuffie can come in, start for them. That's what they're looking for, Minnesota Vikings. What I find interesting is this next team, New England Patriots. I think it's the only team that you have highlighted here needing a linebacker. No, Philadelphia Eagles as well. Biggest need yeah. at linebacker. Um, they they have to fill that. They did they did grab Mac Wilson when they traded Chase Winovich to the Cleveland Browns. Do you think they go linebacker in the first round, or is that something that you see them addressing on day two? I can see them addressing it on day two. I I'm obviously going to try to predict what Bill Belichick's going to do is a difficult task. But if they don't go, so we've highlighted Leo Chanel as the guy for them. But I also think there are some maybe serviceable guys who can fit that sort of role later on, like Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, Damon Clark from LSU, two other linebackers who would be a Patriots type of linebacker. Next on our list, the New Orleans Saints still need a quarterback. No, they just signed James Winston. Signed James Winston. James Winston now. Now what do they do? Saints, the offensive line has taken a step back, and they are going to lose, more likely than not, Tron Armstead. They've obviously prioritized that. If you just look at their offensive line, three of them are first-rounders that they drafted. The other one is a second-rounder that they also drafted. So it's a position that they have very much been willing to take highly. So I would not surprise me if that's where they go. Yeah, I I think that – I think – you know, we've already talked about the offensive lineman at pick 18. I think that could be rich. You know what Michael Loomis could be looking at? A little trade-up situation. Mm. Mickey Loomis loves to trade-up. You could see him going up and grabbing Cross or trying to go get Trevor Penning. Oh, yeah, Penning. And Cross falls into, like, the 10 to 12 range. Loomis is going to get antsy. Look for Loomis to come up. New he's, York he's Giants. Just itch. He's at that blackjack table ready to double down. Fucking mm. Blink of an eye. <laughs> New York Giants. Uh, we talked a little bit about Charles Cross's pro day at Mississippi State. He's saying that he's talked a lot with the Giants and the Jets. They still need they still need help along the offensive line. I think either at that five or that seven spot, they're going to bring in one of Charles Cross, Evan Neal, or Kiquano. They have that to. They have to. That wins. Chalk it up. Doesn't matter. I don't know, care who it's going to be. It's going to be someone. New York Jets. Their need was cornerback. I think now you have it highlighted as right tackle. They're probably going to be another one of those teams, right? At four overall, they're going to be looking at one of those top three tackles. Like it, it's that simple. Like Evan Neal, Ike Kwan, and Charles Cross, I think are all off the board by yeah. pick seven. So DJ Reed signing, coming over from Seattle. I'm a fan of DJ Reed. Was since his days Kansas State. Not stopping me though from drafting cornerbacks though. So so they still should be in the cornerback market. But I do think if you really with this tackle class, and this, I wrote right tackle here more because of what this tackle class is, you can take this O line into the stratosphere of dominance. If you get a Evan Neal, if you get a Ikiakuanu, and they come good at right tackle, all of a sudden you got a starting five that can bully dudes. So that's why that's why I call that probably 
one of the biggest needs. Even though receivers still in the mix too, like they're they're picking four overall. They got a few needs. Philadelphia Eagles still need linebacker. They do not have a lot of off-ball linebacker talent. I think they go a lot of places, though. I think that yeah. is their biggest need if you're measuring all positions equally. I still think that there's some opportunity to add a receiver. There's some opportunity to add a corner. I, I, I think this this team is still, like, multiple pieces away, valuable pieces, valuable positions as well to getting into, like, this legit competitive territory. Man, I really – so they just, everyone will tell you, every Eagles fan, they don't cover linebacker. They're not going to take a linebacker in the first. Devin Lloyd would look so good in that defense to where – this might be the year. This might be the year, and with how shit they've been at linebacker in recent years, this might be the year they pull the trigger. But if they don't, they're in luck. It's a good deep linebacker class. You're pick number 51 overall. Someone like Chad Muma might be on the board. And isn't too far off. I mean, shit. Deontay Lee has Chad Muma's top linebacker in this class. So it's not unfathomable for them to pass on it with those three first-rounders. They could still get a very good guy in the second round. We've talked a lot about Charles Cross and potentially him falling. I want to check where his draft position was, the prop on DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, you can bet either side of over under 6.5 at minus 115. So if you do feel that Cross is going to fall and say you do value penning over Cross and, and feel that's where the league will see it, I think there is some value there if you think he's going to go over that 6.5 yeah. mark and go past that. Now, we've seen that happen consistently in mock drafts. I think Daniel Jeremiah had Cross falling as far as 22 to the, to the Las Vegas Raiders when they were picking at that spot. Moving further down the list now, Pittsburgh Steelers, you have here their need is quarterback. And we, even in Mel Kuyper's mock draft, saw Malik Willis go 20th to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is not happening. Like, there's just no way the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to – I'm saying it right now. There's no way Malik Willis falls to 20th overall. And you can quote me, old takes exposed. I do not see Malik yep. Willis falling to 20th overall. If the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin, who is at the Senior Bowl – adamant about talking to Malik Willis and looking at Malik Willis. He's there at his pro day now when they know they're picking at 20th overall. He's right next to Hugh Freeze, talking to Hugh Freeze, watching Malik Willis go through his pro day. If they want Malik Willis, they're going to have to trade up and go get him, period. There's no way he's falling to 20. Yeah, oh, I agree. That, that seems mildly unrealistic in that mock, but I think at this point, that's what you got. Like, they have to make a play now. Like, that with this, I don't advocate for a lot of teams taking quarterback in this draft, but this is one that almost seems like they have to. You also don't good send to, Mike Tomlin good, to the you're Senior You're too good Bowl. to get into any. You're too good to get in, into any quarterback class in the foreseeable future. You know. You also don't send Mike Tomlin to the Senior Bowl and Malik Willis's pro day if you're not at least considering trading up for him. Like yeah. you're like, there's no way they hate, they feel that Malik Willis know. is going to fall. I disagree you, with that. That you can do your due diligence and hope that a guy falls. So you don't have to have to trade up. For what him. percentage I mean, chance do you think he falls to twentieth? Low. Five, maybe I'd say under five percent, okay. under five percent. Right. And that point, it's like I don't know. It's the head coach of your football team yeah. <laughs> with other pro days going on, and he's watching every single Malik Willis throw. I think you have to at least be considering moving up. You have to be. There's no way you're just like, yeah, we're setting him there just in case he does follow us to twenty, which we are really, we're slowly but surely realizing and hearing all the same things that we are hearing. That he's probably not going to be there at twenty. Yeah, but I mean, they're just doing their eval. Like he might, they might come to the conclusion that they shouldn't trade up for him. So I doubt that. San Francisco 49ers Formerly cornerback, they signed Traverius Ward. Now, nose tackle is what you're highlighting. Yes, and they've done a good job of kind of solidifying this defense through free agency with signing off Traverius Ward. Um, but they did lose DJ Jones, and he was kind of the anchor in the middle. And, you know, got Maurice Hurst, you got Javon Kinlaw, those guys are not, you got Eric Armstead, those are three techs. Those are not 
pure nose tackle type of dudes. So could still use that guy in that defense. Obviously, probably something they wait on. Mm-hmm. I've said this till later for a nose tackle position. Seattle Seahawks. I'm excited to get to this one. The Seattle Seahawks still need a quarterback. Now, Pete Carroll did have a quote on Drew Locke today that was incredible. That was like, he's athletic, super smart, competitive, all these like buzzwords for Drew Locke that like pretty much if you read, read those in a nutshell, it could be about like number one overall pick. You know, like it was all very positive, which I think every team does that. But I said this on the previous podcast. I think Baker Mayfield ends up a Seahawk. Like that is the last landing spot. That's the last landing mm-hmm. spot where he actually has a chance to start. Because you're not going to see the interdivisional trade where here goes to Pittsburgh. I also don't think Pittsburgh fucking wants Baker Mayfield. Like, I think Seattle, Pete Carroll, if he's saying all these positive things about Drew Locke, you're telling me he can't muster up similar adjectives for Baker Mayfield? I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Drew Locke. And I, I think his price Agreed. could not be lower. His price tag could not be lower. I think you're gonna, you could get him for a day three pick, fourth, fifth, for Baker Mayfield, which is insane to say. I think that's honestly what the Seattle Seahawks will do. I mean, if you can get Baker Mayfield for the day three pick, you you do it like yeah, I definitely agree that you should do it. He is an upgrade from Drew Locke, and he could be viably your quarterback of the future, depending on how he plays this season. So, yeah, I, they have receiving talent to make a quarterback look good. Obviously, you need to revamp that offensive line too. But yeah, I, I agree with you about the Baker. It, it also point. goes back to like they're sitting there at nine, right? And they could trade up. Essentially, they could trade up and, and try and go get a quarterback. They have the draft capital to do so with the, with the trade that they made of Russell Wilson. Like they yeah. could go get. Malik Willis, if they wanted to trade up with the Lions or trade up with whoever. I, I think Mina Kimes, who's a famous Seattle Seahawks fan who works for ESPN, has highlighted Malik Willis after his pro day as a guy that you know, the Seattle Seahawks fans should be gravitating towards at nine. I don't think he's there. I don't think mm-hmm. he's there at nine. If you want Malik Willis, you're going to have to go get him. You're going to have to go up and go get Malik Willis. And if you're going to sit there at nine and you're not planning on trading up for one of these quarterbacks when your evaluations are complete, I do think trading a fourth-round pick for Baker Mayfield is well worth it compared to watching Drew Locke play for 17 games, a guy that I feel more confident isn't a viable starter in the NFL. Well, he's never played Mayfield. Well. He's never played well for any stretch of time. Baker has. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Seattle Seahawks, now we're on to the bat, bat, bottom three teams here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have highlighted left guard. Yes. Even it's... with Tom Brady coming back, Ali Marpet is sticking to his retirement, which I respect. I think there was probably a lot, not a lot of pressure from Brady. I'm not saying anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think there could have been just pressure overall. I'm like, yeah. Brady's back? Wait, Ryan Jensen's coming back? Godwin's coming back? Carlton Davis is coming back? Maybe I do come. <laughs> Maybe I do play yeah. one more year in the NFL, especially with how good he was still playing. But he's not coming back. He's made it adamant that he's not going to come out of retirement. So remaining need, left guard. Yeah. His, his entire career, Marpets, existed post Sam Mons calling Todd Brady washed. <laughs> and Brady, and he, Brady outlasts him. But yeah, left guard. I mean, they need to replace him. You have Aaron Stinney, pencil in start there, which, yikes. I mean, you drafted, uh, what's his face, the Notre Dame offensive lineman, uh, the right tackle last year in the third round. Robert Hainsey, well done, thank you. Who could be? I mean, he could viably be that guy. So this may not be as big a need as I'm making it out to be. But Hainsey did not look great as a rookie and was kind of billed as more of an NFL-ready-ish guy. So that's a concern. So, I, think, I think Zion Johnson of Boston College is someone who will get yeah. consistently mocked to them there so, at 27. Yeah. I think that. that's a sprint the card in situation for them. I think he goes higher than that. I Good. think we've seen him higher than that. Um, but we'll, we'll see what they ultimately do. It could be another position where they take it on day two or whatever. Tennessee Titans and Washington Commanders to close this out. Wide receiver, the biggest need for Tennessee. No Julio Jones. Yes, they still have A.J. Brown, but they could use some help beyond A.J. Brown. Um, they're going to yeah, be in a position. Least. 
Robert Woods, though, it's what's he with the ACL? Oh, I forgot about Robert Woods. Robert yeah. Woods traded. So what's he going to be with the ACL coming back from that? That one, I, I still think you go wide receiver. It was you really only had a two deep prior to him to just even last year. So, yeah. and especially in this class where there's a lot of guys who can be good slot receivers, someone like a John Dotson or something that uh, I think I'd still lean them that for them. In the weapons, future. weapons, weapons, yep. Robert Woods, AJ Brown, especially with the injury history, both for Woods and Brown, right? Yep. I mean, those guys have both been battling injuries. Now, last but not least, Washington commanders, you're saying their biggest need is linebacker. Jamin Davis in the first round. I don't think they're going to take linebacker anywhere in this draft. They need to be going somewhere else. I think they need receiver, man. They yes, they draft such a shit LB two though. They got no one, you know. So Cole Holcomb, <laughs> Cole Holcomb has played well. Don't hate on Cole. I think they got to go receiver, man. I want receiver. I think they need to get someone with Terry McLaurin. Yeah, they have Deami Brown, but I, I think they need to go get after it. I, I, I they, they have Curse uh, Samuel too. Yeah, but Curse Samuel has not panned out. They need to go get someone who's good. <laughs> Her team was good. No, that's a good, that's a fine receiving core. Um, I mean, obviously, they could upgrade. I'm not saying they couldn't, but I, I do think that linebacker, not with the, in the first round, that's not what I'm advocating for, but at some point, and I would love to get them, I, I would love to get another athlete there. If you got someone like Troy Anderson from Montana State who went 4 4 1 at the combine, or Brandon Smith from Penn State who was 240 pounds around low four fives, testing like a freak. So if you're another freak athlete alongside Jamin Davis, just round out that front seven love to see it that's it team needs biggest remaining team needs heading into the draft for all three two teams i'm excited to continue to go through this i think starting next week we have to attack our position by position breakdowns I'm like a quarterback running back receiver go all the way through yeah. who our top guys are who our sleepers are all that stuff as we move forward on to the delete your tweet segment delete your tweet i did not have one this week i was going to try and highlight one where i said i'm proud to announce like i've done that a handful of times there was one where i was proud to announce i got my part-time data collection opportunity at PFF, which mm. is pretty cool, which is pretty Proud. cool. Proud to announce that I got my first paid internship with Fox Sports San Diego. Shout out Fox Sports San Diego because um, everyone did love how terrible my um, Hornsby do you, MVP tweet do, was. Do you update your LinkedIn? I have updated do you, my LinkedIn. Do you have like updates where it's like, I'm so excited to announce oh, that no, I've been I taking don't, my I don't, talents. I don't. I don't okay. think I've done that in a while. I think ever since I became more aware of how much of a piece of shit I am, I think that's definitely helped me a ton. I'm you have a vault me tweet that we're going to delete here. Yeah, I used to tweet hashtag vault me. Actually, I still do it. For It's easy to click on to go back and look at old bad tweets of mine. Mm -hmm. but Especially old bad like firm takes. I th I th yeah, I think I called Xavier Thomas. I think I said this one already on the delete tweet. That I called Xavier Thomas going to be the highest draft player from that Clemson offense line. Still time. He's still at Clemson. Fifth year breakout for Xavier Thomas. But... I called AJ Epinesa a top 10 pick, a future top 10 pick, and said, vault me. Chase, uh, I said no. Chase Young, too, at the time. This is 2018. Probably was that two years before he ended up actually being a top 10 pick. Mm. But AJ Epinesa was a ways away from being a top 10 pick. I just looked at, because you, you know, highlighting, like, who should be a top 10 pick, I looked up every time I've said first round. I tweeted out that Tyler Johnson, the Minnesota wide receiver, is a first-round talent, which was mm. rough. That's not great. Okay. We don't love to see that. Um, so I think that would be my delete the tweet if I had that prepped, and I apologize that I didn't. But Tyler Johnson, I did like Tyler Johnson coming out of Minnesota. Super nice guy to talk to as well. Probably great. Now. Huh? 
the proud to announce tweets are proud to announce are very bad they're very bad don't you had like a one-year stretch where you tweeted like four times well i was proud that year (laughs) i was obviously proud that year um off of those tweets please god generational prospect bracket let's do it linebacker or on the linebacker who let's so if you don't know if you haven't been following on tailgate we've been looking at pffs position one so lb1 cornerback one wide receiver one of every draft dating back to 2015, putting them against each other in a bracket to actually determine who is the generational prospect of this position. I think we know who's going to win this one, but yeah. it will be close. In 2015, it was Stefan Anthony, the Clemson off-ball linebacker, who I really liked too. I thought he was going to be sick, and he wasn't. I didn't love him. Like We didn't actually even put him in the first round of our mock, but he was our their linebackers that year he was the lb1 miles jack ucla linebacker now pittsburgh Steeler. in 2016 he was a sixth ranked player on pfs draft board who i thought was worse than his teammate eric kendricks in minnesota i or, or, at ucla i thought eric kendricks was better so i don't know who's right there miles jack's been good eric kendricks has been good 2017 reuben foster who was an absolute monster coming out of alabama i think i remember watching <sighs> so good watching when I was a Ra- like, when I was a Raiders fan, I was a Raiders fan. Obviously, growing up, who was the Raiders linebacker they drafted? Rolando McLean. And I was like, who's this guy? This other guy? This other guy who was playing? I think he was like a freshman when Rolando McLean was getting drafted. Reuben Foster was that guy, and he was insane coming out of Alabama. Then you had Roquan Smith coming out of Georgia. He was the seventh ranked player on PFS draft board in 2018. I don't think that timeline meshes. It might. Not- Do they not play together? I don't think they play together. I-, I feel like I. Well, maybe I'm watching the wrong linebacker. But 2019 might have been. You know who it might have been. It might have been uh, who was the guy the year before Reuben Foster went to the Bills. I want to say um, it was definitely Reggie definitely, Ragland. Reggie oh, Ragland it might have been Reggie Ragland. Before. Could have been Reggie Ragland. Probably Reggie Ragland. Yeah, that does definitely that timeline definitely does not match. Rolando McLean was drafted in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so it must have been a different. Uh, maybe it was Reggie Ragland. But the next linebacker. Devin White, LSU, 12th ranked linebacker, or 12th ranked player on PFS draft board in 2019. Patrick Queen of LSU, the 27th ranked linebacker, or no, 27th ranked player on PFS draft board in 2020. Then we have Micah Parsons, 9th ranked player on PFS draft board. And then 2022, Devin Lloyd, Utah linebacker, 15th ranked player on PFS draft board this season. Starting with Stefan Anthony versus Devin Lloyd, I think it's got to be Devin Lloyd. Yeah, this one's Devin Lloyd. As much as Anthony was... He was tested very well athletically coming out. Had some splash plays, but I he was still a very linear linebacker, and not that's why he fucking was not good in the NFL either. So Devin Lloyd, pretty comfortable. Easy round one. Miles Jack, Micah Parsons. Now we liked Miles Jack. Yeah, Miles Jack coming out on the board. Yeah, and Micah Parsons been good on this podcast. We had doubts about the off field, all the shit that we were reading, all the stuff that we were. I'm not sure I had doubts. I knew it would be something. No, like it, it was something, but it it didn't necessarily impact how he played the game of football. But it was something that would come. I mean, it up. definitely it definitely affected his draft stock. Though. Yeah, probably it definitely affected yeah. his draft. He doesn't stock. go twelfth overall. Should he? I don't even think he's cl- ninth overall. Clean. I don't even think he's ninth overall if it's squeaky clean on our draft board. You know what I mean? I think he's higher if on some our of draft that board. was positional value, mm-hmm. and didn't think he'd get thrown as an edge rusher the way he did. Even though I did say he was edge one. In that class, should he be an edge rusher? And that was pretty, pretty so quite maybe obvious. Maybe we lean, we lean Parsons here. Leaning strongly Parsons, though. Still, gotcha. Miles Jack would be more probably have a better chance than the generational running back. He was sick. 
at running back. He was back sick as a running back. Ruben Foster versus Patrick Queen. This is a simple game. Obviously, Foster. Ruben I, was so goddamn yeah. good. He he might. He was the. We'll just, we'll get to it when we get to it. I think we're he's going to be in the finals here. Yeah. Roquan Smith versus Devin White. This one's close. This one to me is Roquan. Really? Day. I don't think it was that close. I, I like Devin White. Obviously, twelfth on the board. Big fan. Roquan was so good. Roquan was pretty close to Ruben Foster in my eyes. I thought Foster was better coming out, but Roquan, fast as hell, like very instinctive at Georgia. Rare combo. We didn't have quite the size, but I mean, neither did Devin White. But I lean Roquan big way there. All right. I thought it would be closer than it was. I like Devin White coming out. I like Roquan coming out, but we'll go Roquan. Yeah. Next up would be Devin Lloyd against Roquan Smith. This one's clo- this one to me is closer than Devin White against Roquan Smith because to me Devin White and Roquan Smith are s- similar players. Mm-hmm. Like you would use them similarly, where they have a similar skill set. But I just thought Roquan was quite just like better in most regards. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lloyd and Roquan are different types of players. Lloyd's a much longer type of linebacker, probably guy you're going to blitz more with. Um, a guy that can do a little bit maybe more in coverage. I thought mm-hmm. Roquan's definitely a faster, better athlete, more sideline to sideline speed. I probably am going to lean Roquan in this matchup. Give it to Roquan. Give it to Roquan. Ruben versus Parsons. So the thing is, these are different types of dudes. In coverage, Ruben Foster was better. The plays, some of the plays he made in coverage, just how he saw the game was as good as any college linebacker in the past eight years that we He would... I mean, teaching tape in terms of getting through his reads in zone coverage and route identification, just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Snap after snap. And that's why it's a tra- travesty that it was such a, you know, POS off the field and had his career go in the tank because of it. Because on the field was sick. But Parsons was another level athletically. I mean, just so freaky that. Like people were saying, oh, he doesn't like take on blocks well. It's like he didn't have to. He didn't have to learn any of this. It was just second nature to him with how just gifted that dude was. So I think Parsons was because of all of that. I, I lean him. Over Even if Ruben, Foster wow. was probably the better like pure football player at the time he came out. But then also Foster was you know a junior. We didn't even get to see Mike Parsons Jr. He spent his junior just training. So I, I lean Parsons in those two. Fair enough. Final round here. And then that was that was the one, too. Mm-hmm. If we're ranking those, it was Parsons and Foster and then Gap. Like, those were the two best linebacker prospects. So Parsons wins it all. Parsons wins it all. I thought Ruben was going to win that. I was big on Ruben. I thought Ruben was going to take it. But you give it to Parsons, which is fine. No, that's fine. I think that's fine. Cool. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you send me a picture of your review, we are going to be giving out 50 draft guides. Send me a picture of that review. Make sure it's new via Twitter or Instagram. But until next time, Austin Gill, Mike Renner, Tailgate.